Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. You know, this portion of the Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by ReggieAshworth.com, publishers of such apps as AppDelete. You know, AppDelete is the best way to remove or uninstall apps, plugins, widgets, and so on and so forth from your Mac. You don't have to worry about finding all those crazy files that some apps install. AppDelete does it for you. Check ReggieAshworth.com. That's ReggieAshworth.com to download your copy of AppDelete. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll have Adam Inkst of Tidbits and Take Control Books. We'll feature Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. And Bob, Dr. Mac Levitis, will preview the next version of Mac OS X called Mountain Lion. Once again, on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> With Adam Inkst of Take Control Books and Tidbits and also a software publisher. <laughs> at the Mac App Store. We'll ask about that in a moment, about his experiences. Long, long time ago, they talked about the paperless office. And what that means is, of course, is that with computers, seeing everything on the screen, all your documentation, we would print less. Fat chance. Didn't happen. We had desktop publishing. We had to have paper output. Everybody has an inkjet printer, a laser printer, three or four printers. Printer companies are making lots of money. If you go to the local Office Max, office supply store in this area, and you check out, of course, you're buying printing consumables or something, they say, would you like to buy two packs of paper? And if they don't tell you that, by the way, they have to give you a free soft drink, so they will not forget. (laughs) Sorry, I hadn't heard that. (laughs) Well, now you've heard the rest of the story. Okay. There is now a survey being published from Morgan Stanley of 700 people who work in offices saying they're printing less, a lot less, than they did before since they got iPads. So after all these years, is the iPad signaling the real paperless revolution? And by the way, if you buy a new Hyundai Equus, they're a $59,000 car, the documentation comes on iPad. <laughs> What's going to happen to the printing industry, huh? Yeah, this is fascinating, and it's absolutely true. I have I have two you know sort of anecdotal stories around the iPad and printing. The first was one of the first kind of non tech people I I heard who got an iPad. Was this woman who's a wife of a friend of mine, and she's actually I believe the the Bodleian Librarian at Oxford. I believe that's the, the actual title. It's like one of the top library jobs in the world. Um, she used to be the Cornell University librarian before. She got an iPad very early because what she does is go to meetings and every meeting has reams of paper that's associated with it. And so yeah, it was all in PDF form before. I mean it wasn't like the wasn't like people these were handwritten notes or something. It was that these were documents that had been created that needed to be discussed and talked about at the meeting. And so you had to take them with you to the meeting and Computers just aren't that good at it, even laptops. One of the real problems with laptops is is they get in the way of the meeting. It puts up a block between you and the other people. And so they've never, even laptops are not as good at meetings as an iPad. And so she was able to load just hundreds upon hundreds of pages of PDFs into her iPad for meetings. And that was just a brilliant use of it and eliminated hundreds of pages of printing 
instantly, you know, for, for, you know, just, you know, a few, a month or so of work. And then the other, this isn't actually an iPad story, but it's a local, a local school system is doing a tablet pilot program with a couple of their grades. I think it was like third and fifth grade or something like that. One of the side effects that they had not really anticipated is that they saved $40,000 in printing costs because of it. Because the fact is, is that schools print like you would not believe. I mean, kids come home, you know, 8, 10, 12, you know, handouts, uh, you know, a day, and you run that across, you know, two or three hundred kids in a grade, and doing it every day, and you can imagine what their printing costs are like. You see, when so, I went to school hundreds of years ago, we had the mimeographs. Mimeograph machine. Oh. Now, tell people what a mimeograph machine was. Oh, honestly, I, I came in just sort of at the end of that technology, so I don't really know how it worked, but it was Okay, you had something called a stencil, okay? Yeah. You had a stencil, and if you typed on it, you'd make holes in it, and they wouldn't be complete holes. They'd be mostly holes with a little bit of substance left. You'd wrap that around a drum. You'd use ink, which, of course, would basically presenting the image through these little holes in the stencil, which, of course, was the letters on the paper. Didn't look bad until, of course, you had offset printing and copying machines. I mean, you would basically put this on an ink drum, and the image would bleed through, and you get fairly decent copy with a mimeograph machine. And they were pretty cheap. I bought a mimeograph machine when I was a kid for maybe less than $100. Of course, that was a lot of money. You know, in the 1890s, or and, and they had and they had that great purple ink that always smelled just so. I I mean, it's it's one of those smells from childhood that uh, I'm sure if I ever hit it again, it would like bring back third grade. <laughs> that was a different type of printer. That wasn't a pure mimeograph, which was black ink. Oh, okay. and I can't remember what that was, but I can think of it that it was another way of making copies in those days before we had Xerox machines. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But before the 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 you know the offset part of the you know the photocopiers became cheap enough for schools. But yeah, they go through vast amounts of paper right now. And so yes, I think that this is actually a significant fact about the iPad is that it is in essence finally the better sheet of paper. And what's interesting here is you wonder how the companies who have printers and a lot of the PC companies have printers. Dell has a printer line. HP, probably other than PCs, their most popular product is a printer. And now if they sell fewer printers, it's bad enough that they're being hurt with PC sales going down at HP. What's going to happen if their printing business goes down? Or maybe they'll sell consumables at affordable prices. You know, it's like you could buy ink for your inkjet for what? More than the price of gold? Yeah. It's insane. I mean, you worry when sometimes the ink is more than the printer. (laughs) Well, it normally is. You see, here's what happens also. A lot of times they sell you a printer really cheap. You get a starter package, okay, of ink. Like I'm testing a multifunction printer from one of the companies. We'll talk about it on a future show. And if you look at the printer, you get a starter package, which has half the toner of the normal toner cartridge. If you buy the full toner cartridge set, for cartridges for a color laser printer, it's an all-in-one multifunction printer, it costs about half what the full printer costs. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. And that's one of the more economical printers. So you see where they make their money from. They make it from consumables. Yeah. And they're going to have to make them cheaper. Or one day 
you'll have a situation where you can get tablets for much less money. I wonder why they don't use like a Kindle for $79 and maybe with a Hyundai Accent, a $13,000 car, give you the documentation on a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, they can't give you an iPad. It's too expensive, but... It really is true, and, and I mean, if you look at it, I mean, this isn't this isn't going to be Apple's uh, approach for some time, if ever. But clearly, these tablets, as far as just a screen that you can display stuff on, is getting really, really cheap. And you know, some of the some of these just total horrible Android tablets and things. And so, at some point, it's going to be a situation where you know. Everyone has one purely as a mechanism for displaying these files. Whether or not it actually is good at anything else is another story. But why wouldn't you have one as a way of not having to have 17 pieces of paper? And let's not forget textbooks. We won't. By the way, this portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by ReggieAshworth.com, publishers of such apps as VidConvert. You know, VidConvert makes it easy for you to convert your audio and video files. It's as easy as drag and drop to set up VidConvert to change the file into the most popular audio or video format that will work great on your Mac, on your iPhone, and iPad, and other gadgets. Check with ReggieAshworth.com. That's ReggieAshworth.com to download your copy of VidConvert. More with Adam Inks on the Tech Night Owl Live. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash TNO. N-O. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code podcast. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with a truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. 
Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly sleep apnea expert who will answer all of your questions. Mention this ad for free shipping. Again, that's CPAP.com. CPAP.com. CPAP. Your money, your treatment, your choice. In the past, I've taken a lot of different vitamins, some through health food stores, some that friends recommend. Colleen talking about her experience with Super Sea Veg. And with the Super Sea Veg, I was seeing a lot better results. Super Sea Veg with Vita D and C-Cal is the most powerful dietary food supplement in the world today, and nothing else comes close. Super Sea Veg is a whole food that makes me feel good. Think of Super Sea Veg as the unvitamin. I have taken other things, and they just didn't work. This seems to work for me. And Super Sea Veg comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Store-bought vitamins do not have the supplement and the full, whole feeling I have from Super Sea Veg. Get 15% off your first purchase on our website, superseaveg.com. That's super, S-E-A-V-E-G.com. At checkout, enter coupon code UNVITAMIN. Or place your order at 866-SEA-VEG. That's 866-732-8344. Eating Super Sea Veg daily is eating right. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. This portion of the Tech Night Out Live is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. We have Adam Inkst, and we start focusing on the paperless revolution, finally, after all these years, apparently heralded by the iPad. And, of course, textbooks. You have a son who goes to school. He probably has the big backpack that weighs 400 pounds. <laughs> to be fair, actually, his school is good about this. They give you the t- textbooks, and then they keep them at home. They're actually so big, they don't make the kids carry them to and from school. <laughs> well, his back will thank you for that. And these are, I mean, yeah, it's really true, though, that, that you know, when you, if you were to have, you know, two or three of these textbooks, the weight is non-trivial because they are, you know, 800-page books. It's full-color, heavyweight paper with a inst- institutional binding which is stronger and heavier yet and so yeah these these books weigh a good you know 10 plus pounds each sometimes so it can be pretty insane you know when you just just look at that so textbooks not only weigh 10 pounds each so you can imagine how much they end up in a backpack for but they're not 
cheap textbooks can easily be twenty, forty, fifty, a hundred dollars a piece, depending on the book and the subject and the number that they're selling and you know the the quantity they're buying in and all those kinds of things. And so that's why when you see the whole thing with iBooks Author and Apple's initiatives and that, you can see why there's some desire, you know, on the part of school districts to say, okay, let's change this model a little bit. And honestly the reason why the textbook publishers are going along with it is because what they don't like is is that particularly in the college world people sell their textbooks back so there's a huge used market so these textbooks get bought and then resold and resold and resold and resold five or six times and the publisher makes no money from that the The authors of the textbooks don't make any royalties from that Precisely. So the hope is, in some ways, to change the model so that your textbooks are being bought more frequently, say once per student, but that they can be updated, you know, because you don't then have this problem where the textbook has to have a five-year lifespan for it to be worthwhile for the school. You also don't have any kind of a, a, a resale market for it because it's tied to that person in some way. And by the way, as a result, of course, the cost of the textbook is less. Apple has set a price of $15. Is that going to apply to all textbooks? That seems to be just kind of a recommendation. I'm not actually seeing any indication that there's anything real with to that. The other thing to keep in mind is that the example textbook that they give for the E.O. Wilson's uh, Life on Earth textbook is you know, sort of like, oh, wow, isn't this great? And then oh, it's free, so it's not $15. But it is one gigabyte in size, just about. And they claim that the largest possible size is two gigabytes, although we found one that's actually larger. And this Life on Earth book is only a couple of chapters. And so the, uh, the problem may be that you may, in fact, have textbooks which are broken up into you know, 10 or $15 chunks because you may actually have to buy more, you know, multiple chapters as separate books to actually get the whole thing. So we don't quite know how that's going to work out until we see it happen. It's a work in progress, and it'll be fascinating to see where they take that. And that's another step in the paperless revolution, in this case, saving trees if you're into the environment, but also basically making the backs of your children... <laughs> less injured than they are yes. is now. I mean, you got to well, think. I mean, my son had to carry the textbooks. And, and he has a, a big back. He, you know, he's he's not a say he's tall a kid. kid now, I'm sure. But he's got a pretty <laughs> Oh, well, he doesn't have to do it now. But he's a teacher. He teaches English to Spanish students in Spain. Mm-hmm. He lives near Madrid, so he has to do that. I didn't ask him about whether those school systems would be getting iPads, but it's going to be a different kind of revolution. We have to see how that works out. We still want the kids to exercise, though. Let's exercise something else. We're going to pass the paperless revolution, and we're going to talk about Apple. Of course, we had that speech this week before, was it Goldman Sachs from Tim Cook, who came across as a real product person. And I don't know if you heard the speech or not. He actually got emotional when talking about Apple's culture. You know know he drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I did. See, I did see some coverage of it. It was it's interesting because he's you know he's not a clone of Steve Jobs. He's his own person, and that's it's nice to see that there is a bit of a difference in the leadership style. Not to say that Apple's changing in a big way or anything else, but just that hey, there's a new guy in charge, and uh, that will will mean slightly different things at different times. But also he pointed out that Steve drilled into all of them the need to make this a product-oriented company. They always look at the future, that they 
produce a few products that make a difference rather than just as many products as they can to fill a lineup. Yes. That's not going to change. I can see a different style in leadership because we're talking about different people with different temperaments, obviously. You're not going to see the emotional outbursts there, although I understand Tim Cook's a pretty tough customer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... Apple has done well by focusing. You know, they're not a Sony or a Samsung or, or you know, one of these companies that can just do everything. Um, and, and they're and learning they, they can't do everything. Look at what's happening now. Sony, of course, has had business problems. They just changed their CEO. We have Samsung, which can't make money on LCD panels, so they might spin that off. So these companies well, that want to produce everything, they're not doing very well. Well, and it can, as I said, it can be hard because you know you open yourself up to a whole bunch of different businesses, and just because you can do well at one business doesn't mean you can do well at, at all of them. And so, I think that's part of why Apple has 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 really tried to stay focused, um, even as they've even as they've gotten the power to do a whole lot more. You know, certainly, they could do much much more than they do now. They have the money and the and the skills and all that. But I think as long as you know, as put it this way, as long as they're making money hand over fist doing what they're doing, why should they change? You know, what's the point? And that's the other thing too. When people pundits go out there and say Apple needs to do this, Apple needs to do that. Every year they should produce this product, they should produce that product, they should get into this line. And then you look, wait a minute, what's Apple's stock price? How much did they earn last quarter? What are their prospects for this quarter? Really? So why do they have to change anything? Yeah. Yep. Apple has uh, has has hit upon an extremely successful business model, and while I think we can see them continuing to implement that model very well, I think it would be bad to bet on them changing that in a significant way until they see there's something to be gained. You know that is you know it's really hard to see how they could do hugely better than they're doing now um, with their with their current sets of products and anything like that. So, you know, you, the stock price, the profits, just it's just all insane at the moment. And uh, um, you just, why, why, why mess with success? But Apple can't grow 100% a year for the next 10 years because they would take over the entire planet. All the world's money would be in the hands of Apple. Of course, right now we look at their there's free cash, close to $100 billion, and maybe most of the world's free cash is in the hands of Apple. More coming with Adam Inks on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The 
most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit moseypro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y pro.com. Hi, this is Alex Jones. Did you know that the global elite are now storing non-hybrid seeds in secret storage vaults near the Arctic Circle? Did you know that in a real meltdown, non-hybrid seeds can become more valuable than silver or gold? It's true, seeds have outperformed even gold and silver before in this country, and it's possible that could even happen again. So our friends at Solutions from Science have put together the perfect mix of non-hybrid seeds. They call it a survival seed bank, and it can produce an endless supply of nutrient-dense food for you and your family. And here's the best part. These seeds have not been genetically modified in any way, and you actually get enough seeds to plant a full-acre crisis garden. So visit them today at survivalseedbank.com. That's survivalseedbank.com. Or give them a call at 877-327-0365. That's 877-327-0365. Remember, in a real crisis, non-hybrid seeds are the ultimate barter item. This is Alex Jones for survivalseedbank.com. Get over 6,000 preparedness items. Get you ready. That's what you'll find at GetReadySurvival.com. Over 6,000 preparedness items. And counting. Because we're adding new items nearly every day. GetReadySurvival.com has it all. Small and family-sized tents, backpacks, sleeping bags, food supplies. Get yours at GetReadySurvival.com. Portable water filters, canteens and hydro packs, knives, axes, shovels, compasses, camouflage, and tactical gear, fire starters and ammunition. It's all at GetReadySurvival.com. How about first aid medical, emergency, or small personal survival? Kits. Get yours at GetReadySurvival.com. If you're not prepared or just semi-prepared, the place to get prepared now is GetReadySurvival.com. Got questions? Call 928-541-9723. That's 928-541-9723. Or go to GetReadySurvival.com. And remember, survival preparedness means living on your own terms. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables, and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. With Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books, and now a software publisher. We'll get into that in a moment. But speaking of software, just this past week, last week Apple had 
Some updates, a security update for users of 10.6, a 10.7.3 update, and things went wrong in rather a big way. What happened? Yeah, it's been it's been trouble. The security update was sort of more obvious because what it did was in essence kill Rosetta applications. So there's these older applications written for PowerPC based Macs that have continued to run on Intel based Macs since under Snow Leopard via this thing called the Rosetta emulation environment. And Apple removed Rosetta from Lion, so that's not an issue there, but it was still there in Snow Leopard. And a lot of people have not upgraded to Lion because because they need to use some old program. Maybe they don't want to buy a new one, or it's a custom app, or it does exactly what they need and they just don't see the need to change, etc., etc. Security update 2012-001 made some changes in the image I.O. libraries that who knows quite why, managed to destroy power these PowerPC apps. So it they, was in a worse way though, because it didn't just mean they would not run at all. They might crash yeah. every time you'd launch them. And I know, for example, there's a situation where a friend of mine who writes textbooks, by the way, and he was using Word 2004, which is the last PowerPC version of Word. The next version, 2008, runs on Intel, no problem. So he needed Rosetta. So suddenly he's getting constant crashes. It wouldn't print. That was the yep. problem. He couldn't save. He couldn't print. Yep. That was the problem. You, you had trouble when you tried to open using the open file dialog, the save dialog, or printing. And those, you know, it's not like you would ever want to open, save, or print. So as long as you didn't want to do any of those things, your app might work. But it was only might because there were plenty of other problems as well. I think the update came out, was it on a, on a Wednesday right. or maybe it was a Tuesday night and then Tuesday late. And then by Thursday, you know, sort of Thursday morning was when we figured out that, hey, this is really a problem and started, started publicizing it. And then by, by the next day, Apple had, had fixed it, which was pretty good. I mean, pretty good turnaround for them, to be fair. But nonetheless, they had screwed up royally in their testing because this was one of those things where you would assume that any kind of test suite should be able to determine whether or not apps can open, safe, and print. I would assume they would be using Word 2004 also. That's the most logical application to use other than Quicken. Other than Quicken, right. right. <laughs> Which also broke. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it was painfully obvious that all this stuff broke. I mean, this was not, this was not subtle. There was no good excuse for this one, honestly. You know, so at least as it, they solved it pretty quickly, which was better than some of the ones in the past. I mean, the, the last two previous updates to Snow Leopard, 10.6.7 and 10.6.8, both had problems related to fonts and printing and stuff like that. And in both cases, Apple had to step up and, and make a change, which they did, but not for more like a couple weeks. So it was troubling that the, the quality was, was, was so, uh, so poor on this update, finally. Well, at least they fixed that update and they got it working. But there are also problems with a 10.7.3 update for Lion. I'm yeah, not lying. That one's a little bit harder to track down. I mean, there are definitely some issues going on, um, but they seem to be more, just more, I won't say anecdotal exactly. I mean, people are having various issues, but the, it's not affecting everyone. And so I think the, you know, that's something that we're going to, you know, we're probably going to be seeing 10.7.4 
potentially a little sooner, or maybe there'll be a, you know, a rev. The, the big thing, actually, I'm, I don't even know if this has changed. They actually, the problem, the, the, kind of the main problem with 10.7.3 came in the, the updater that takes you from 10.7.2 to 10.7.3. That's called the Delta updater, as opposed to the Combo updater, which can go from 10.7.0, 10.7.1, or 10.7.2 up to 10.7.3. The Combo updater was fine, but the Delta updater was broken. And the, and, you know, I haven't actually checked. I was going to check up on this. Um, no, they have still, they have not released, they pulled the Delta updater and they have not re-released it. So whatever was wrong with that updater is still wrong. And uh, if you go to software update to check the updates and you haven't installed 10.7.3, what you will get will be the combo update. Yep, precisely, the combo update. And, and in this case, there's not a huge difference in file size. So that's part of the, uh, you know, the combo updater is 1.2 gig and the delta updater was 1 gig. So, you know, sometimes the combo updater is, you know, 1.2 gig and the Delta updater is 30 megabytes because it's a small update. And so then it's a much bigger deal. In this case, there's not really that much difference in using them. So it's possible they just said, oh, fine, we'll, we'll simply eliminate the Delta updater for 10.7.3. But, but that was frustrating. And I've certainly, you know, we've gotten comments on our, on our coverage about it from people who have had issues with Quark Express 9.2 and HP Bluetooth mouse. There is um, a problem with... Quark Express 9.2, where all the tools yeah. in the toolbar, they're grayed out. You can't use them. So the application is only partly functional. Some people are going back, if they can, the Quark Express 9.1. But I have confirmed the existence of a problem with Quark Express 9.2, the current version, with the 10.7.3 update. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to blink there and get the fix. Probably Quark. Yeah. Well, and you know, to be fair, sometimes this stuff really is a situation where you are, um, it, you know, really is a situation where there's a bug in the OS, and other times, yeah, the the app is making the is making the mistake. You know, an Apple changed something, but it just reveals a bug in the app. So you never know who to blame. Uh, you know, so, and it can, and it can be very hard to know who to blame because, I mean, for instance, I was using an app the other day in the preferences window, and I did some scrolling, and like there was some cosmetic rewriting problems, so I I reported them to the developer. And the developer said, "Yes, that's a Mac OS 10 bug. We've reported it. You know, we're doing everything right. Apple's going to have to fix it. We can't solve it. So you never know until you know like someone actually looks into the code. Yeah, it could be Apple's fault anyway." Apple, of course, will not admit to specific faults unless it gets to be a very major public issue. You get an issue like, for example, the security update. There, they didn't admit to anything. All they did was release a different version. Actually, they took out one of the fixes. That's all Apple did with the security update for 10.6. They took out one of the fixes that broke Rosetta. That's all. Yeah. Which in some ways is a little bit concerning too because now we know there's a security vulnerability that is not being fixed. <laughs> so so that's a little troubling in its own right. But we kind of, kind of think how many people's computers, how many Macs have been compromised outside of test labs as a result of all these fixes Apple makes? Well, the problem is that in this particular case that Apple has said what the problem is and then pulled the, pulled the fix. 
normally by the time, I mean, normally most of these, these problems, no one ever knows about them except for Apple and whoever reported them until Apple has the fix ready. So again, not that I have any knowledge of, of this particular vulnerability being exploited, but it's more concerning that it is Apple basically made it really public that, hey, there's this problem. And then because of this, this, this you know, bug in the security update, they had to pull those fixes so that that hole is now both public and wide open. So that's it, a little troubling. It's also troubling that Apple allows those things to go through. You kind of think, you know, Apple's got more people working for them now. They should be more capable of testing these updates. And it's not as if for the 10.7.3 update – developers were not seated with pre-release versions. You join the Apple developer program, and you got to sign that NDA. Otherwise, of course, Apple will cut your hands off if you break it or something like that. But all seriousness aside, what's going to happen here is you agree to keep it a secret, but you're testing these updates against your software. How could these things have gone through to release? We have Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. The Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, such as Steve Jobs, the best-selling biography from Walter Isaacson. For that free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash owl. That's audiblepodcast.com slash owl. Remoter is your ultimate screen sharing app for your Mac. With Remoter, you can share the screen of a Mac or any VNC-enabled machine, even Windows and Linux. You can do all this and more with Remoter, the easy way to share screens on your computer. Remoter is just $10.99, but wait. Go to store.remoterlabs.com. That's store.remoterlabs.com. Use the coupon code TNO to get 20% off. That's TNO to get 20% off. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with Fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your Fake TV for only $34.95, go to FakeTV.com. Or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. I've been telling you about eFoods Direct for a while now. Here are my top 10 reasons to stock up on food from eFoods Direct. Number 10, the food I get from eFoods Direct tastes great. Number 9, the eFoods meals are easy to prepare. 8, eFoods Direct delivers the food right to my front door. 7, 
Most of these meals cost less than $2. 6. With their large variety, I can eat it every day. 5. I always have access to high-quality and delicious food. Number four, eFoods products don't spoil, so I never waste any food. Three, eFoods uses only safe, healthy ingredients. Number two, I have my own food supply and don't depend on the grocery store. And the number one reason I promote eFoods Direct is they build special offers just for my listeners. Folks, don't wait. Get prepared now. We all need to be self-sufficient. Call eFoods Direct at 800-409-5633 and ask for the Alex Jones special. Call eFoods Direct at 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. Waiting for the side effects disclaimers? With MDS Forte, there are none. Order a 25-day treatment of MDS Forte by calling 213-405-5355. 213-405-5355. Or visit bestbloodsupport.com. That's bestbloodsupport.com for MDS Forte, a diabetes breakthrough. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books on the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg, the question on the table, how did Apple let these things get away? A good question, and I simply don't know because, you know, again, these things are obvious. Particularly, security updates a little easier to see, because no developer is testing against you know six-year-old software or eight-year-old software. They're testing against their new software because that's what they're actually selling. So any testing that would be done on the security update for PowerPC apps would have to be done at Apple or. You know, and I don't know if this is a solution. Certainly, people have, you know, whacked on me when I suggested it. Apple could actually do some slightly more public betas, where people would be able to do this. And apparently, they have this Apple feedback program, which, but I don't actually know of anyone who's ever been in it. But I was in an Apple tools. customer quality feedback program back in the '90s. It doesn't exist yeah. anymore. Where individual Apple users of their products were allowed to test operating systems, new software, new hardware. In fact, I once got a Power Mac that never saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. It was steved. Steve Jobs decided, I guess, not to have it. So they said, we got to have it back right away. And I asked, what are you going to do with it? We're going to destroy them all. <laughs> I also got an early test version of the original Bondi Blue iMac. Then they decided, wait, wait a minute, this guy's writing columns for magazines on Macs, he can't be in the customer quality feedback program. I was gone. Yeah. Well, they still actually do have some kind of feedback program, but it is entirely unclear to me how you get into it um, and what the responsibilities and, you know, kind of abilities in that are. I mean, what you get to see and what you have to do. But clearly it's not working because 
stuff like this is getting through. And this was painfully obvious. Again, you know, all you had to do was, you know, run a PowerPC program, try to open a document, and you would crash. And it wasn't an obscure program either. We're talking about Word 2004. Yeah, some people still have to use Word 2004 for various reasons. Maybe they don't like the ribbon interface on 2011. Whatever reason, that's their business. They don't have to be forced to use a newer version of the program. And if you are already using it and it works fine with your workflow, suddenly it breaks. Apple has to watch what they're doing. This is not good. Yep. We'll just have to uh, see if it, if the next one is any better. But I mean, this problem is is that you you assume that Apple's going to do a good job because there's no way to uh, kind of know until you've installed this stuff and you know someone's got to install it and someone's got to get try to get their work done. And so the you know best advice I have for most people at this point is don't install any new update from Apple for a week. You know, see what people say, because any problem that's going to come out is going to probably come out in a week because enough other people will install it and that they can be the they can be the pioneers who get the arrows in the back. Yeah. Let them have their computers destroyed. Let them destroy their workflow. But, you know, of course, people see something in software update. They take it. Speaking of software, you have become a software (laughs) publisher. That's right. Tell me about it. Well, this is actually not as large a, a step as it might sound, but we've been publishing the Take Control books for, for you know, almost uh, eight and a half years now. One of the problems that we were certain Apple was going to solve in Lion back in July was they were going to have something that would allow us to read EPUBs on the Mac. So EPUB is going to be, I mean, it's already basically the major ebook format um, for, for most kind of thing, most ebooks out there, other than PDF and Amazon has their own proprietary format. Yeah, the EPUB format is what iBooks uses on the iPhone and the iPad, the iPod Touch, but you cannot read these things in any app from Apple, despite the fact that an EPUB is basically kind of an encapsulated website. So Safari should be able to do it, you know, could be made to do it fairly easily. Preview could probably be made to do it pretty easily. But Apple didn't do that. And it's kind of a hole. Apple really wants to force us, everyone to use the iPad in particular for this kind of thing. Um, getting back to that whole paper, paper changing thing, that's where you should, Apple thinks you should be reading. But a whole lot of us want to be able to read on our Macs too. And so that was something that I – somewhere a place where I came up with the idea that we need to make a simple EPUB reader for the Mac. Nothing, nothing super fancy, at least not right away. We just need something so we can double-click an EPUB file on our Macs and have something happen. As it stands, you can double-click an EPUB file and nothing will happen because there are no apps that can open them um, by default. And there are, there are some apps that you can get to do this, but – in a sort of interesting fact, they are all cross-platform. Things like Caliber. Um, I used to pronounce it Calibre, but it turns out it's supposed to be pronounced Caliber. It's an open-source app. It's this huge, sprawling book-related app that does library management and ebook conversions and talks to ebook readers and things like that. And it can read EPUBs. But this is one of the ugliest apps you can imagine. So I mean, long and short of it is, you've got something called Bookle. Yes. Not bookie. I was thinking. You know, I'm trying to no, look no, at bookie. No, no, no. I say bookie. That's a horse racing app. You got to you got to separate the two. Though, if you want to pick a horse at the track, that's what bookie's for. Bookle <laughs> is for reading. 
Okay. So in any event, so came up with this idea, got my friend Peter Lewis, who uh, is Peter Lewis of Stairway Software, who's been around forever. He's written, you know, well-known programs like, well, it was called Anarchy at first, and then Interarchy, file transfer program, and now he's best known for Keyboard Maestro, which is an absolutely essential keyboard macro utility. And and you know, and Peter's a great programmer. He's actually in Australia, so he's a little. He's uh, he's. You don't get to see him very often, but uh, he he you know whipped up this program based on the spec that he and I designed, and it is definitely a one We are making no bones about that. This this program does not have all the features that we want it to have eventually, but we wanted to get something out quickly and see what people said about it. So we've actually created a user voice forum where people can make suggestions and vote for the things they want to see. They want to see us working on. Right now, this app, you know, you can drop an EPUB on it. It will add it to its library, and then you can read your book just like you would expect to on a Mac. Things like scrolling and trackpad gestures all work. Keyboards, you know, there's keyboard support if you prefer the keyboard. It's a resizable window. It scrolls quickly and smoothly. Just all the stupid little things that you expect in a Mac app, which turn out not to be true of these other apps that are out there. So this is a pure app, and it runs on Lion, and it's available at the Mac App Store? In Lion and Snow Leopard, and yes, it is available at the Mac App Store. We decided to go with the Mac App Store mostly because it's easy in some respects. Um, the Mac App Store has some limitations which, uh, that it enforces, which are quite annoying, like sandboxing, and it's kind of a black box to work with. But it, what people may not realize is just how hard it can be to set up kind of e-commerce with registration codes and a separate cart and what happens with, you know, if they have troubles and you have to have your site working all the time and stuff like that. And so Apple takes care of a lot of that stuff, and that, that is nice. So Plus, it's obviously then available to everyone who has Snow Leopard and, and Lion. So that's, that's another, you know, the real utility to it. So, you know, at some point we may make it available outside the Mac App Store as well, partly to get around some of those limitations. But at the moment, we're, uh, we're sticking with that. Let Apple do all the hard lifting. Yes. Okay. So it's $9.99. That's really cheap. Yeah. Nice and quick and cheap. And, you know, obviously upgrades are free because it comes from the Mac App Store where you can't charge for upgrades. Now, that's one of the issues I guess we'll have to talk about. We're going to talk about that with Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. The issue of the fact that with the Mac App Store, when you want to have a paid update, and we're not talking about, you know, a 9 or $10 utility where you can basically sell a whole new version a couple of years from now, and maybe it's not a problem, but a 50 or $100 app, and now you have an update, and you can't expect people to pay for the major upgrade, the original <laughs> price, nor can you expect to constantly, for the rest of time, deliver upgrades free of charge. You won't stay in business. I think it's a real problem. And I mean, it's something, honestly, which we haven't, even really thought about with Bookle because it is only 10 bucks. So, you know, there's a sense that we could have, you know, Bookle Pro or whatever in a couple of years if we felt the need to go back and say we really need to charge again. Because you, you can't, the other thing to keep in mind is you can't talk to those customers. They're not your customers. They're Apple's customers. Normally in a software upgrade scenario, you can send email to your entire customer base and say, hey, we've got this upgrade. You can pay us only, you know, $29.95 instead of the, you know, the list price of Seventy nine ninety five isn't that great, so that that's how it works. But in the Mac App Store, because you don't have access to those people, it's actually a little bit harder to justify you know doing a new version because you won't be able to even ex- even inform people to upgrade. All you that. won't have the direct access of the customer. That's a yeah. bigger discussion for another time. But congratulations on Bookle, 
tell our Thank listeners you. where they can find more of the stuff you do, other than the Mac App Store, of course. Other than the Mac App Store, where, I don't know, Bookle was number two in the entertainment one for a while, and number 12 overall, so that was kind of cool. But in any event, Tidbits is obviously at tidbits.com, where you can check all our coverage of things like security updates in Mac OS 10, 10.7.3. And then at www.takecontrolbooks.com, um, people might be interested in certain books like Take Control of Working with Your iPad, so you can learn how to not use as much paper. And then, of course, Joe Kissel also has Take Control of Your Paperless Office if you want to go all the way. <laughs> all the way. Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Our friend from Macworld Magazine, Dan Morin, a senior editor by virtue, not of his age, his extreme advanced age, but because he knows a lot of stuff. And there's an interesting article that came out just a few days ago, as a matter of fact called Four Ways Apple Could Improve the iOS Experience. I think some of this actually applies to the Mac App Store, too. So I think they dovetail. As written by Dan and his colleague at Macworld, Lex Friedman. But the first part kind of signals something that we learned later in the week. It's called Mission Permission. Explain. Well, uh, based on some information that came to light about an app called Path, which is a social networking app that lets you share a lot of information about yourself with your friends and family, it was discovered by uh, someone who was sort of a developer who's taking a look at these things that Path actually sent the contents of your address book to its servers. Now, you do have to sort of say, well, okay, that you know, I want this to look for friends. So basically, you're signing up for a social network and you want to know who among your friends is already on that social network. Obviously, that information has to be gotten it has to figure out who your current friends are. And to do that, it looks at your address book. But the fact that it was storing it on its, the path was storing the address book on its servers made a little, you know, some people a little uneasy. And the ease with which Apple allows developers on iOS to get this information also made some people a little, uh, it made them hesitant. And so we suggested that perhaps just as Apple already does with location on iOS, that when an app requests to use your address book information, it pop up a little dialogue, say, hey, I'm going to use your address book information. Is that cool? Developers are already supposed to not do it without alerting you, but it seems like that is not always being uh, respected. And hopefully uh, Apple will be making a little more fine-grained choices in that matter. 
Well, I heard something about an impending update. Yeah, so after this whole sort of uh, foo-foo erupted and passed, you know, apologized and said we're going to change the way we do things, obviously it made a lot of noise. And as these things are wont to do, the Congress has now gotten involved and asked for information from Apple about this. So Apple came out on Wednesday and said that it would be in a subsequent update enacting some sort of dialogue box and some sort of permission systems along the same lines as it does with location. Apple sure does that quickly when it looks like Congress is involved. Well, I mean, in this case, I think they beat them by just a little bit, but it was pretty close. Apple is always very deliberate about these decisions. They don't want to just take a knee-jerk reaction, and I think a lot of people get upset with them because they don't immediately respond to get in front of it. But honestly, I prefer that way of doing business than, than paths, which is to immediately say, you know, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, our bad, and, you know, sort of dial back on everything. Whereas Apple takes the time to sort of think about it and go, all right, this is an issue. We're going to look into it, and we'll figure out, and we'll issue a response when we have really thought it through. And so that that, me- that meshes a lot with the way, especially the way Tim Cook seems to like to do things. That even happened when Steve Jobs was at the helm. They would yeah, take yeah. their time, except in those days, sometimes Steve Jobs would send out a little note yeah, that I mean, kind of works against the meme you're trying to deliver, like, for example, when they had the antenna gate problem. And he would send out a note saying, well, hold the phone differently. Yeah, I mean, right. sometimes he was a little snappish and a little knee-jerk about that, and that didn't do them any favors, right? I mean, it got people riled up, and it got people upset about them. And so I think this this sort of methodology of we're going to stay quiet until we've you know got something, and they and in most cases they do deliver and actually say, hey, look, we we thought about this, and this is what we're going to do. Well, they'll come out with the right decision, and I think one major difference we're seeing with Tim Cook is he's more even-handed, temper-wise. I mean, the one thing we saw from this speech that he gave over at the Goldman Sachs conference is that despite what you hear, he's not just a numbers guy. He's very much involved with the products. He's been sort of brought up in the mold of Steve Jobs. You know, he's been working there for a really long time. And he's had, he made several points about how Steve has sort of uh, grilled them over this, over this philosophy of the, the Apple way of doing things. And he really seems to have taken that to heart. Um, and the fact that he's great with operations and with numbers seems like, you know, only a benefit in that regard. But, yeah, it does seem like he's definitely got his own personality, his own style. It's going to take a little while, I think, for that to come out of the shadow of Steve Jobs, who obviously casts such an enormous shadow on things. But I think we will see a uh, the Tim Cook apple will be a, an interesting and somewhat different beast. I sense a low-key humor there that we're going to see. <laughs> But also he can be very personal when he wants to be, you know, like he's pointing out that he gave the iPad to his mom in Alabama and mom took to it, which we see a lot of people who don't take to personal computers take to iPads. My wife is an example of that, where she took to the iPad and I can't take it away from her. No way, no how. You know, this is mine. You know, this is my territory. Stay away from it. And I can see what he was saying, saying his seven-year-old nephew. Yeah. Yeah. Using it, yeah. that he uses it for eighty to ninety percent of his work, which I wouldn't have believed, considering what he does. Well, it's hard to tell exactly what he does, right? I mean, I'm sure he answers a lot of email. I'm thinking in terms of just going over a lot of numerical things, or maybe he's using the iPad version of Numbers. Oh, I think so, probably. I mean, you know, I think Apple is a company that's big on eating their own dog food, right? And because if your philosophy is we make the best products in the world, why would you use anything that's not the best product? I imagine he spends a lot of time, like, looking over stuff and, you know, writing emails and stuff like that. So, you know, things for which the iPad is very well suited. Well, I think, you know, 
that Tim Cook is starting out really well, and we're all going to be curious to see how he handles future media events, if he'll do that many, except for introductions. Maybe let the rest of the crew do it. We'll have to see. Or maybe he'll get more involved after this, you know. I think he got a good reaction to this particular presentation because he's not known as somebody who speaks other than at events with media analysts and such. Maybe he'll get out more in front of the public now because of this, because of the fact that they did make this available as a quick time presentation. Yeah, I mean, he he did a great job. I listened to the whole thing, and uh, he struck me more than once with the... Uh, you know, bringing a certain element of humor to it. I think particularly in the part where uh, he was being asked about uh, iPad competitors that were cheaper. And he said, yeah, you know, people feel good when they when they shell out for those things. They feel like that. But then they go home, and the joy of getting that great deal doesn't really go with it because you hate it. <laughs> and <laughs> it made, made me laugh, you know. He, he had a couple dry moments there when he referred to, uh, you know, they're like the 37 million iPhones that they sold last quarter. He's like, yeah, that was, that was a decent quarter. Got oh, I think, I think, you know, he gets going with that and he develops that tendency. He's going to be a killer at an Apple Media event. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's got that huge bench of uh, people to, to, to pull from for various events. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him doing some of them, you know, some stuff. But I think his, his role will be largely relegated to doing intros and doing sort of the state of the company thing. I think he'll let Schiller and... Forstall and people like that who are the experts in the various fields talk for themselves. And I think that's that's not a bad approach. It shows a, a wide field. It's not one of those cases where with Jobs where like he had to do it all, right? Well, even in the latter years, Jobs was letting the other people have it. He was more of a master of ceremonies. Let's move back to that article that you and Lex did about demos. We're talking here about the iOS and the App Store, but it also applies to the Mac App Store because you have sure. the same problems. Yeah. So let's talk about these in succession. Demos. Demo expert is the section of the article if you guys are following it on the air. Um, yeah, so the idea being right now that if you uh, see an application on the store, and you're, you're absolutely right, this could apply to either the iOS app, app Store or the Mac App Store. You see an application, but you're not really sure if it does exactly what you want or if it's any good. Um, and so these days you don't really have much of a choice other than to say, well, I'll pony up the you know dollar or five dollars or whatever and, and hope that it, it's the right thing for me. Um, some developers have made light versions of their programs, which are free but with limited functionality, which are kind of like a demo. Um, but it's a little trickier, and it's also hard then when you you got to go download a new app, and then you have that old app cluttering your system if you actually decide to buy it. Um, and so the upsell it, is difficult, as they say in the business. Right. I mean, and okay. of course, demos have been around for a really long time on you know on the Mac platform and on PC as well. I mean, demos have been around for almost as long as I can remember using software. Um, you download a version that's sort of trial, you know, and it's limited in how many times you can launch it or certain things you can do, and then you just pay it you know the fee and enter the shareware model you pay a fee you enter your license code and bam you're done people don't even refer to much in the way of shareware these days because it seems like you know that's kind of the way the default way of doing business for so many years but we were suggesting that it might be nice if apple allowed an easy facility for developers to sort of when they're submitting their app to the store say oh yeah i want to have this uh, available as a demo okay and we're going to amplify that we're going to amplify the question of demos and more with dan warren of Macworld magazine I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, 
lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Think the national debt is $15 trillion? Boston U economics professor Lawrence Kotlikoff astutely points out that after factoring in guarantees such as Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and defense expenditures, the national debt is closer to $211 trillion. Mathematically, this debt is not serviceable via taxation. And for politicians on Capitol Hill, default is not an option. So we can expect the Federal Reserve to monetize the shortfall, resulting in even more confiscation of our hard-earned savings via inflation. Hi, my name is Adam Miller with Midas Resources. In light of the MF Global Swindle, it is now more apparent than ever that our savings investments are not secure in the hands of traditional banking institutions overseen by government technocrats kept in their back pockets. Call me today at 800-686-2237, extension 148, to find out how you can protect your savings from confiscation with liquid, portable, and private precious metals. I'll even send you a booklet titled 10 Readings to Own Gold to serve as a guide. That number again is 800-686-2237, extension 148. 800-686-2237, extension 148. Powerful forces are trying to destroy your health. It's a fact that we're surrounded by a sea of environmental toxins, from mercury and vaccines and dental fillings, to aluminum and chemtrails, to pesticides and toxic chemicals sprayed all over our food. Even nuclear radiation, which is still spewing out of Fukushima, has contaminated the water and food supply in the U.S. But there is a solution. Liquid Zeolite is an extraordinary natural formula, which safely and effectively removes all kinds of toxins from the body, including capturing heavy metals, pesticides, viruses, and radioactive particles. Use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com for fatigue, headaches, digestion, memory loss, influenza, and joint pain. Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee and is available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. 100% safe, 100% amazing. Try Liquid Zeolite today. Listeners, it's Jason Lewis, and now that the holidays have come and gone, it's time to get serious about our New Year's resolutions. For 2012, resolve to protect your most valuable asset, your family. Daily, we hear about all the crazy stuff happening around the world, unemployment, food shortages, natural disasters, just to name a few. For my preparation, I recommend wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff, that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. Visit wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample. And for a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's wisefoodstorage.com or call 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-366-3947 and enter promo code LEWIS for a free sample and free shipping on any order. Peace of mind, the greatest gift you can give to the the ones you love. Welcome back to Get 
night out live where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We have Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we were talking about an article that Dan and Lex Friedman wrote for Macworld called Four Ways Apple Could Improve the iOS Experience. But some of these apply to the regular Mac App Store. And we're talking here about demo versions, that you can't just have a demo version that you could suddenly buy at the App Store, Mac App Store, and make the full version. Would that be possible, Dan, just to speak theoretically, of doing it somehow with an in-app purchase, or even that wouldn't work? Some apps do stuff like that with an in-app purchase. I'm thinking in particular of, I think, Twitterific on iOS. lets you sort of download a free version that's ad-supported, and then you can pay some money and get the full version. It's not possible in every app, I think. Um, I think it depends on how your app sort of is structured and works technically. That's certainly the basic idea. I think that that's the kind of thing that Apple should really be embracing, but that if it could make it even easier for the developers to just you know click a button and say, yeah, I want a demo with this limitation so that it's more of a universal thing, because right now it's hit or miss. Either you get it, you have an app that offers it, or apps that don't. Um, and so it would be nice if there's sort of a standard approach to it rather than having all those light apps cluttering up the stores and what have you. Okay, well, that's certainly one thing they should be doing. And I guess the big question here is whether Apple will consider it. And let's look at the entire picture of how this could be implemented later on. But let's look at the various elements here. Okay, so we have demo versions. And then we have another one, which is also difficult, in fact, more difficult. And that is, okay, now the way it works is if you have a new version of an application, you know, that downloads and replaces a previous version. But now you have a major upgrade. And let's face it, you're in business. You're selling apps. This is paying your rent. You have a major update. You want your customers to upgrade to this version, but you can't give it away free. Yeah, that's a that's a real tough situation. I mean, the, the example I think that Lex in particular gives is uh, back before it was the official Twitter app, um, Tweety was the name of Lauren Brichter's Twitter client. And he came out with a new version at some point that was a huge overhaul and a major upgrade. And he really just, you know, decided to sell it as an entirely separate app. That doesn't mean the previous app stopped working, but it does mean that it didn't get updated anymore. And that eventually when Twitter started changing stuff on the server side, the older version of Tweety broke. Now, a lot of people got really upset, even though it's, you know, it was $3. It was not like a huge amount of money, but the people didn't like the idea that they had paid for something and felt that that entitled them to, you know, free updates forever, which is traditionally speaking, not the way that it's always gone in, gone in software, but with Except the if it's Andrew Stone of Stone Software, where he gives you free upgrades for life. Well, I mean, there are some, but uh, it's not traditionally the way that it has always gone with with major updates. A lot of places do minor releases, point releases for free, and then even give you a break on on updating to a later version. But in this case, he really had an all-or-nothing approach. Either he was going to get zero money for it, or he was going to have to put out an entirely new app that, you know, sort of upset some of the people who had bought the earlier version. And really, neither of those are ideal for a lot of developers. Once again, if you're spending a lot of time and energy... And maybe hiring people and paying them salaries to upgrade your application beyond just normal maintenance updates, you deserve to get paid for it. And how could you just give it away free forever? It's right. not fair to you. It's not fair to the customer because you're trying to give them value. So Apple doesn't make it possible. Of course, Apple 
does this with their own products. You know, you don't get a discount when you buy the new version of Mac OS X. You don't get a discount when you buy the new version of iLife or iWork. And certainly Final Cut Pro 7 users didn't get a discount to go to Final Cut Pro 10. Right. So they'll they'll make you pay for a major version, like uh, when you went from Snow Leopard to Lion, you paid the thirty bucks to to download Lion, but they won't make you pay for the all the updates to Lion, right? I mean, they basically consider each major version of macOS as a different product. Right, exactly. And with traditional publishers, it hasn't worked this way. You know, you buy Adobe Photoshop for what five hundred, a thousand dollars, whatever it is now. And you get the next version at one-third or one-half the price. Adobe's not going to ask you to pay full price every two years because every image editor out there is going to freak and stop buying the product. Right. And so, I mean, this segues a little bit into sort of the last thing that we talked about in our article, which is the ability for developers to have more flexible control over pricing their apps. You know, right now, for example, if they want to put their app on sale, they can drop the price of it for a limited time and put a little note in the description and say, oh, this is 99 cents for the time being. But it's not the easiest thing to do, and it's not the most convenient way to do it. And it's, it's again, all or nothing, right? It's either everybody gets the discounted price or nobody does. You know, in the same way that a lot of, you know, vendors who sell stuff through their own storefronts can do, wouldn't it be nice if there was a coupon system or some sort of discount system that would let developers create sort of a discount or a break for frequent customer, you know, customer loyalty or for cases like upgrades and say, hey, you know, you bought the previous version, we'll give you this code, it gives you, you know, 20% off when you buy it or, you know, things like that, bundles or discounts, cross promotions with other products. It's, you know, right now they're, they're very limited in the ways that they do that. And in some ways those can be disadvantageous because you get situations where people lower their price to, you know, a dollar and try to shoot up the charts and get more money off that. And, you know, and sometimes that's only because that's the only option they have to do these kinds of promotions. In a sense here, Apple has made it too simple well, because he loses I, the flexibility. Yeah, I mean, and that's sure. always a trade-off, right? That's a trade-off is the flexibility versus the, the simplicity. And in this case, they may be erring too much on the side of simplicity. Now, they've made a number of you know, alterations and changes as they've gone along to the stores and the ecosystem. So there's no reason that they couldn't change these things going forward. But as of yet, they haven't showed a uh, desire to do so. And I think of another example. We were talking earlier on the show with Adam Inkst. And he and Peter Lewis at Stairway Software have this new product called Bookle, which is an EPUB reader for the Mac. Yep. And you think it's the first version, it's a 1.0 version. And he says, you know, maybe there are a few bugs and they're going to continue to work and develop it. It's a $9.99 app. Okay? It's an inexpensive mm-hmm. app. But then along the line, we have Adam and Peter decide, you know, we've got all these great ideas for a major upgrade. And it's only fair that we come out with a version 2.0. But the way it is now... The people who bought version 1.0 to get version 2.0, they have to pay another $9.99, for example. They couldn't say, okay, you bought the first version. Let's do it for $4.99 for you. You can't do that. And you can't have a special version that only owners of the previous version would be able to download from the Mac App Store. It doesn't work that way. Nope. You have to distribute it yourself if you want that kind of flexibility. And then you lose the convenience of the app store or the mac app store where apple's handling all your infrastructure they're handling all the money you don't have to worry about it. but the other problem is which goes with it is your relationship in terms of that software is not with all these publishers you're dealing with who made the product your relationship is with apple right so except for the publisher is, when they have to give you support <laughs> yeah it is a little it is a little tricky and there are some trade-offs involved absolutely So looking at this here, of course, we realize the 
app store is what three years old almost three years old uh three and a half actually i think it'll be four in the summer okay so it's gonna be almost four years and we look at the mac app store which came out last year and we know that it's something that is going to be developed over time and we have to hope that maybe apple will look at this but there's another question i want to ask you about the mac app store which creates greater complexities for Apple. And this is something that maybe they have to address because certain apps will otherwise never show up there. We have Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Remoter is your ultimate screen sharing app for your Mac. With Remoter, you can share the screen of a Mac or any VNC-enabled machine, even Windows and Linux. You can do all this and more with Remoter, the easy way to share screens on your computer. Remoter is just $10.99, but wait. Go to store.remoterlabs.com. That's store.remoterlabs.com. Use the coupon code TNO to get 20% off. That's TNO to get 20% off. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly 
Family Sleep Apnea expert who will answer all of your questions. Mention this ad for free shipping. Again, that's CPAP.com. CPAP.com. CPAP. Your money, your treatment, your choice. UtopiaSilver.com believes, as the Declaration of Independence states, that our rights come from God, not from government. The only lawful purpose of any government is to protect and secure the rights of the people, and no man or government has the authority to take what has been given to us by God. Among these rights are life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness. And America's government has ceased to be the protector of liberty and of the people's God-given rights. But we the people can return America to greatness if we are willing to stand up and reassert our stolen rights. We ask that you join Utopia Silver in changing America's course in history. To save on health care and improve your health, call Utopia Silver at 888-213-4338. For a limited time, new customers will receive 50% off all colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver, utopiasilver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. With Dan Moore of Macworld Magazine, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. We were talking here about ways that Apple can improve the App Store and the Mac App Store. But now let's look at another issue here. With the Mac App Store, you're dealing with, of course, not just newly produced apps, but a whole infrastructure of Mac applications that have complicated installers. They throw files all over the place and lots of complexities in the way they provide support for different features. Like, for example, to capture audio from Skype and commercial radio shows like us. We use Skype. Podcasts use Skype. Now we use either of two products. One would be Ambrosia's Wiretap Studio. The other is from Rogue Amoeba software called Audio Hijack Pro. These two apps right now can't get into the App Store, the Mac App Store, because they do tricks with system resources. And the system is sandboxed under Mac OS X Lion, and you can't go into somebody else's sandbox. Right, and so the the capabilities they need are just not allowed by the security model. And again, this is a matter of trade-offs, right? I mean, on iOS, we've been used to sandboxing from day one. You know, apps can't muck with other app stuff, and there's some general stuff that's available, you know, to a certain extent if developers choose to make it available to other applications. But for the most part, you can't really have much interaction, and you certainly can't have stuff that sort of plays with the system level. And so... You know, the idea that you have these apps that are extremely powerful, but they can't be available in the Mac App Store, well, you know, I don't know how much Apple is likely to change in that regards because it probably figures that a lot of people don't don't use that kind of power. But And, you know, to their credit, there's nothing preventing you still from downloading that app from the developer directly and paying for it and using it because it still functions. Or they might provide a secure tool for you to access certain functions, but under a way that in both directions has security. I'm not a programmer, so I don't know how they could do this, but certainly there are always ways that things like this can be done if Apple and the developers can work out a system. In other words, you'd have to have some kind of authorized way of doing this, get approval for your app from Apple as to the technique that's being done, 
that kind of thing. I don't know. The other situation, of course, is how installations work. Right now, for example, if you install an app from Adobe, heaven knows where that stuff goes. But right now, you can't bring Photoshop into the Mac App Store, at least the current version, because it throws files everywhere. I expect Adobe is going to want to get in there and they'll simplify the installation. Maybe that's one of the benefits here. Sure. That having this structured environment, everyone's going to have to install their apps the same way. The removal process is going to be the same thing, which is throw away the app, and you won't have to worry about all these complexities anymore. Right. And I, I think that's something Apple would love, and you know, especially looking at the way it's done things on iOS, that's great because you know you and I have probably dealt with you know apps that are sort of sprawl all over the place. And if you think the Maxpad Windows has always been much much worse in that regard, yeah. Um, and of course, you know now we have programs like App Delete from our friend Reggie Ashworth. Now, why did he come up with that program? Well, Reggie saw the need that you have these apps that throw files everywhere, and you want to get rid of them. You know, you've got to either know what they did or have some help, so he provides the help. So, right. of course, it gave him a business, which is great. We're glad to see Reggie doing yeah, well. I mean, there's, there's problems that need solving, and that's, that's good. But at the same time, I think most of us, even the people you know, who make those applications, would probably rather that they didn't have to deal with that kind of stuff. <laughs> Develop a different kind of app, sure. But okay, right. so this is one thing. Now, that's the other question I would have here. With the App Store for the iOS, we know you want to buy apps – you go to one place. Otherwise, you jailbreak your iPhone or iPad and do what the heck you want. It's your responsibility. With the Mac, we've had different ways of buying apps. With the Mac App Store, are we seeing everybody just taking a headlong rush into figuring out a way to get in there? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Mac App Store, people have been a little more conservative about it, but it's done really well. And remember, it's only been out for about a year now. I think it debuted January of uh, 2011. You know, I think it has done surprisingly well. It's still fairly limited in compared to some of the stuff that the iOS App Store can do. Um, I think there are still some limitations, for example, on like gifting apps and other stuff like that. But I think it's been pretty popular. I've certainly started using it a lot more just because... Uh, I find that more and more apps that I do want are in there and either in specific, you know, Mac App Store versions in a lot of cases or just wholly, you know, that's the only place that they're distributing their app. And there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of of uh, power and and uh, convenience to take away from that. For example, I just was setting up a new computer this week and, you know, so much of my stuff I could just fire up the App Store and go down the list and click install, 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 and installed all these apps that I have on my other Macs. And so that's a lot nicer and more convenient than having to search around every uh, all the websites and find all of them and download them and install them. And so I think there's a lot of power in that, especially for consumers and people who five years ago before the App Store or the iPhone wouldn't have bothered installing an app on their computer, wouldn't have known what an app was. And so it's really that amount of visibility and the fact that it's on every Mac and it's sort of, you know, it's in the dock and it's, it's sort of thrown in the faces of everybody who's using a Mac these days is a lot of visibility for developers to hawk their wares in. But it creates one other problem. The person who has the app, that can't go in there because of the exceptions that we've talked about right now. They have features that cannot be used because of the limitations of the Mac App Store. But they still have stuff that people are going to want to have, and they still need to reach an audience. But because people are not as apt, especially new Mac users, to look at other sources other than that little icon, how do they stay in business? 
Well, I think there's clever things you can do. And I think uh, you mentioned Rogue Amoeba before. Um, and I happen to know uh, the guys there pretty well. And I think they did a clever thing. They recently released their first, I believe, Mac App Store application, which is a little recorder app called Piezo. And it's a, it's a great little, very simple app that just records the audio from an application. Now, you know, you mentioned, obviously, Audio Hijack Pro, which is one of their really popular apps, has been around for a really long time and has bundles of, of powerful features here and there and everywhere. Um, and I think what they did was clever was they, they released Piezo and it did very well, I think. And, but it's limited, right? And so if you run into a case where, oh man, I really wish I could do this recording thing, but Piezo doesn't seem to be able to do it, I think that's a really great opportunity for them to convert people into saying, oh, well, you know, you use Piezo and that doesn't maybe quite do what you're looking for, but consider our other product, Audio Hijack Pro. And uh, maybe that's more what you're looking for. So I think having a version of your app in the store, not just that's like a knockoff version. It's like, oh, this can do most things, but you'd really need to go and get this other version of the app. They actually have separate apps that are designed for specific different purposes and different use cases. Sure, but but can they upsell that within the app? Um, I don't know if they can do it directly, but if you then go into the fact that, like, if you say, oh, I really like this app from these guys that does a lot of the stuff, I wonder if they have something else, or if they even just look at the, you know, about pages in the app or something like that, there may just be a mention of it, or go to the website or something. I mean, I think it's good to have your your sort of, your flag planted in that same arena, um, even if it's not from, even if it's not in a situation where you can sort of directly do an upsell. And you have to wonder here, too, maybe they're hoping, as Ambrosia Software and they're hoping, that Apple will find ways to accommodate some more of these tools in the yeah, future. Yeah, it's, it's possible. I mean, I think they are also pretty happy with the kind of business they do now. You know, if Apple were to make it available, I, I imagine they'd definitely be interested in at least looking at what the opportunities are there. Like I said, the concern is, of course, that a lot of really good stuff will never be seen because we all go to the Mac App Store, and if it's not there, it's not anywhere. It's, it's a risk, but, I mean, there's lots of great places to find out about apps like Macworld, for example. Of course. We don't want to ignore the fact that you cover the gems that aren't in there. And I guess as developers talk to Apple, and Apple does listen to developers. It's not always my way or the highway. You have to look, for example, at the iOS App Store. They change terms and standards of acceptance of apps based on developer and public feedback. Over time, they will make changes. It's never rigid. I mean... With the iBooks 2 and the iBooks authoring app, they made a few changes to allow better handling of textbooks and licensing and everything. So it's not that Apple is never going to change. Right. It looks but to as we like, said, they're, they're always deliberate. Right. They'll do things slowly, carefully, and they're not going to give you any warning. You know, you just wake up one morning and there it's going to be. The world is different. Hey, it's different. What's that? I don't know. We have Dan Moore, and we know who he is. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. 
Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Get over 6,000 preparedness items. Get you ready. That's what you'll find at GetReadySurvival.com. Over 6,000 preparedness items. And counting, because we're adding new items nearly every day. GetReadySurvival.com has it all. Small and family-sized tents, backpacks, sleeping bags, food supplies. Get yours at GetReadySurvival.com. Portable water filters, canteens and hydro packs, knives, axes, shovels, compasses, camouflage, and tactical gear, fire starters and ammunition. It's all at GetReadySurvival.com. How about first aid medical, emergency, or small personal survival kits? Get yours at GetReadySurvival.com. If you're not prepared or just semi-prepared, the place to get prepared now is GetReadySurvival.com. Got questions? Call 928-5419-723. That's 928-5419-723. Or go to GetReadySurvival.com. And remember, survival preparedness means living on your own terms. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night Isle live. So many rumors coming up now. 
iPad 3. Now, that one there, it looks to me that Apple's officially leaking. I mean, when you see something like in the Wall Street Journal, all things digital, you know, it's owned by the Wall Street Journal. When they say it, you kind of think, you know, Apple's told them this already. Well, when, when certain people like Jim Dalrymple of the Loop say, yup, they got the word from somewhere. Jim, I think Jim Apple's been say, doing this. Jim can say more in one word than most of us can say in like 800. So uh, <laughs> he's got a special skill there. Yes, um, he does. Yes, he does. I, I don't know about deliberate leaking in terms of, you know, at least from the higher echelons. But, you know, clearly if there's a product that's coming out, there are lots and lots of people in at the company who are involved in it. And that's a lot of opportunities for that word to get out. And good reporters cultivate their sources. So, um, But you have to think here, Apple uh, control freaks. And they know that they get tons of free publicity when you talk about the product. So if you have somebody call somebody on the side, say, you know, this is on background, but this is going to happen. Say something about it. You know, all these stories, the demand and anticipation is going to build and build and build for the next iPad. Apple can't buy that publicity. Right. And I think, but what you should also look at here is that Apple loves to surprise people and to produce things that people aren't necessarily expecting. So what you should also look at is what they're not talking about, I think. Of course. Because, because I think that Apple is such a, so good at the, at the press and dealing with the media that the stuff that does get talked about to a large extent is the stuff that they want, you know, like you're saying, they want them to talk about. But it also means that there's stuff that they're not talking about that either they don't know or they don't aren't really aware of. And it's, you know, there's an element of misdirection in there. Sure, look at the fact that we're all talking about the fact that the iPad 3 will have a, you know, higher resolution display. But there might be something else that's even more significant that we're not looking at or asking about because they're ooing and aahing over this idea of the retina display. So, Of course, you know, that's the magician's technique. What does right. a magician do? Misdirection. Yeah. Look at the other hand, as we used to say. But I think there's a, there are a lot of rumors out there. Uh, the iPad 3, I don't know. I mean, I think it could go a couple different ways. I wouldn't be surprised to see something that looks a lot like the iPad 2. Um, but with a, you know, a nicer screen um, and maybe some you know, better horsepower under the hood, as they kind of did with the iPad 2 from the iPad 1, change a few things but keep the idea basically the same, or there being something more impressive in there. I don't know. I mean, and, and almost nobody's talked about what the software side of this might look like, right? We've all sort of focused on the hardware, but I think... Yeah, but uh, the software is going to be probably iOS 5.1, which is being beta tested now. Right, so, but you never know. But the you only never thing know. would be Siri. Siri would go in there. Well, I, I and that's that's absolutely true. But I, you never know what they'll have up their sleeve. And I think my friend John Gruber over at Daring Fireball made a, some very incisive comments the other day about you know Apple as a software company and a hardware company. Yes, they're they're both absolutely. But I think you know you could easily argue that software is the bigger part of that in terms of the way they want to do things. So while the iPad three on the outside might look great and be awesome and have all these nice features. It's more about what they're going to do with them on the software side, I think, that I find intriguing. So I would be very interested to see if there's anything new coming down the pike that's not been tested, I mean, in, in an iOS 5.1 or something, or that they've sort of kept under their hat until they can actually announce it. And I would not be surprised to see something of that variety. Oh, sure. We still have plenty of room for a one more thing. You have to wonder why no other tech company gets any of this. I mean, you look at the advertising now. You look at... For example, the ads for the iPhone 4S, and it's all about Siri, about the things you do, just common people doing common things that we all understand because we do the same things. And then you look at an ad for a droid, and you have something in a computer where they're spraying it a certain color, and it's all electronics, 
and it's all electronic music and robotic images. And it's like, what does that tell me about the product? Droid this, droid that? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways, you know, the argument that I would make is they're, they're lazy, right? You know, they're selling things based on the same kind of things that people sell, you know, beer and soda on, right? You know, sort of Yeah, but beer and, and soda no is on lifestyle. You know, when right. you're well, selling, I think that's the way they're trying to sell the, the phones too. I just don't think that's I don't think there's lifestyle worth. there. I don't see there's lifestyle. They're selling specs. You see, right. Apple is selling a lifestyle because they're showing you using it. People are using it. This is what you can do with it. When Peter Coyote is doing the narration of an iPad commercial, it's all about things that you could do yourself. Just obvious stuff. And the, the iOS with the iPhone 4S, Siri... You have all these regular people doing regular things. You know, am I a good rock star? Or where's the gas station? We all do that. We all are expected to do that. Right. Well, I mean, and I think that my point is that when you think, in some ways I think that the wrong people basically run these companies is sort of the most fundamental problem because they do think it's about the specs and about, you know, in the same way that, you know, I don't know. It's like selling a car based entirely on horsepower or something like that. Yeah, that's a factor for some people, but a lot of people don't know or don't care. You know, they just want their car to get them from point A to point B. They don't necessarily care if it has 200 horsepower or 150 horsepower or whatever. And so I think in some ways this is not the way necessarily to sell phones, which is something that, you know, people keep with them nowadays all the time, right? They always have it on them. I think it's just in some ways it's a very lazy marketing standpoint because it doesn't really think about the hard questions of how are people going to use my device. It just tries to sell it. And then after that, they don't care, right? Hands off. Once you've, once you've bought our product, great. We've accomplished our mission. You want to get a refund? That's okay. But if you want to get a software update, you want to get a software update? How about Ice Cream Sandwich version 4 of the Android operating system? There's one device that has it now, one phone that's the... Samsung Galaxy Nexus. Some of the new Droid Razors that come out now from Motorola just being bought by Google, they won't have that operating system for a year. Yeah. And so that's, to me, that's not the, the way of doing things. But hey, there's a, <laughs> I guess there's a room for everybody in this world. Customer centric. Yeah, Apple. I mean, and remember also I- when you want to get support for your iPhone, you call AT&T. Punch one for Apple, punch two for AT&T for network issues. Apple handles support. When you want to get support for your Motorola phone, you think you're going to call Motorola and they're going to talk to you? Yeah, I mean, do you call Motorola? Do you call Google? Do you call Verizon if that's your provider? It seems like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of cooks. Well, Verizon is the one that will handle it, of course. But can I have a software update? I want an ice cream sandwich on my Droid Razor. The what? You know, you want an ice cream sandwich, go to Ben & Jerry's. Right. <laughs> not, not so great. Fast question here. You guys covering, of course, the situation with Apple and their suppliers and the work conditions. And I just yeah. heard that they've started inspecting Foxconn after all these complaints about possibilities. Did you hear this now? The first report, preliminary report, it's really a pretty clean place. Well, I mean, so it's important to distinguish here. Apple has been inspecting their own supply chain for several years now. The big difference now is they've they've become part of this association, the Fair Labor Association, and they've asked this this group, which is sort of a big labor rights group, to uh, to inspect independently, audit 
their suppliers. The idea being that it's a little more distance. It's not just Apple saying, hey, everything's great at all of these factories that we use, but somebody who has, actually has an independent voice going in. And yes, I did hear those preliminary reports that so far things have been uh, looked pretty good, but you never know. I mean, they're going to sort of dig pretty deep, hopefully. And I think, I think the, the truth is, I think Apple's situation is probably, as Tim Cook said, it's probably pretty good, but it could be better. And they really want to make a, you know, lead the way on this and they hold themselves to a really high standard. So I think that's important. And like Tim Cook, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how these reports pan out. And also, it really lights a fire under the executives at a Foxconn or any of these other companies. If they know that when they are inspected, that information will be public immediately, they're going to do something about it. You know, one would hope so. <laughs> well, they have no choice. You know, they're basically, you have. Dell and you have HP and you have Apple and you get rid of those three companies, where is Foxconn? Right. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's up to, I mean, but it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing, right? Because we're consumers in the U.S. dealing with companies in, uh, in the U.S. who supply stuff to China. And so, you know, there's this whole chain of stuff. And so it really is, become, you know, it really is good to see these, you know, companies like Apple and HP who are sort of like the middlemen. Um, they're the ones who can exert the pressure. So I, it's good to see them doing so. And I think after making these public pronouncements, Tim Cook, over and over again, we know it's not perfect. We're going to make it better. You know, stick with us here. I think they will, because if he picks up the phone, calls one of the people at those plants and says, you fix that, they're going to fix it. He's their biggest customer. What can they do? Dan Warren, where do we find more of your stuff? Uh, as always, at MacWorld.com. That's so simple. What are you working on that we're going to look at in the next week or two? Oh, geez. What am I working on? Well, I, I work on a variety of stuff. I'll probably have some analysis of whatever news is uh, coming down the pike and uh, maybe some looks at some apps along the way. Sounds good to me. Dan Morin, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks, Gene. Coming up next on the Tech Night Owl Live, Bob Dr. MacLevitis will preview the next version of the Mac OS, Mountain Lion. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Bob, Dr. McLevitis, let me ask you the key question here. That is, we have Lion, we have Mountain Lion, 
When Apple gets to Mac OS 11, which I presume they're going to do eventually, maybe in another three years or so, will Apple use dog names or what? Uh, I think the next one's going to be Bobcat, named for me, of course, Bob Dr. Mac Levitas. In fact, it's going to be Bob Dr. Mac Cat. <laughs> no, I, you know, in your dreams. Took me, this took me by surprise. I uh, had not heard Mountain Lion uh, used to refer to the ninth release of macOS 10 ever before. You know, the whole thing took me by surprise. I kind of expected to hear this news closer to the Worldwide Developer Conference, whenever that might be. I think it's in May or June. I don't know if they've announced dates for this year, but that's traditionally when we hear about new operating system stuff. Except in this case, they want to release 10.8 in the summer. They've got to give developers more than six weeks to figure it out. Oh, I think the developers have figured it out already. It's iOS. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, the, the convergence that we've, uh, we've kind of joked about before when we saw some of the features in Lion, um, I think the real convergence is coming in, in Mountain Lion. Look how many of the things that are in the announcement are also things that are found on an iPhone or an iPad. Messages, notes, reminders, game center, notification center, Twitter integration, AirPlay mirroring, iCloud. That doesn't sound like a Mac. That sounds like an iDevice. Well, you're looking here, for example, with iMessages. Okay? Yes. All right. Suddenly, the messages that you write on the iPad and the iPhone are now integrated with the messaging system on the Mac. So instead of iChat, it's just messages. And it kind of sort of looks the same. There is a public beta available, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to be members of Apple's developer program for this. But you do have to be running Lion. And even I've more got important, it. I've Lion. got it running on one of my machines here, and it looks just like iChat so far. Right. Well, if you open a message window, it suddenly looks different. Yes. Obviously, the buddy list looks the same. Yeah, and it is replacing iChat. You know, Apple Apple made it clear that iChat's end of life here. But the one thing that's nice about it is if you don't like it, you're not stuck. If you go to the Messages menu, there is an option, Uninstall Messages Beta. So Correct, right there, right there on the Messages menu. Right. I haven't had any trouble with it. I've been goofing around with it for a couple hours, but... You know, I like this a lot. I like the idea of having all of that integrated so that if I'm at my desk, I don't have to deal with it on my iPhone or my iPad. It'll be right on my computer with the big keyboard, which I like. And the one thing also to point out here is that this comes ahead of Windows 8, which is, of course, the supposed Windows integration between the mobile and desktop systems. So Apple has moved even further They've made the Mac OS more iPad-like. Yes. Now, there's one issue here, and I don't know if you've played with the beta yet. There is a developer's beta, but there is a version also sent out to a few choice journalists around the country and around the world, such as your friend Ed Begg over at USA Today. Well, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Well, you don't have to because it's now public. Oh, the beta? It's public that some journalists were given copies. Really? Yes. Your friend oh. Ed Begg got a copy. Also, Jim Dalrymple from The Loop, and also the people at Macworld Magazine. So there you go. I'm jealous. 
I understand. Now, one thing I've looked at, which may be interesting, partly because of what we talked about in earlier segments of the show. Now, in earlier segments of the show, we were talking about how Apple handles applications for the iOS and Mac OS Lion and, of course, Snow Leopard through the Mac App Store. And that is, if you want to have a demo version, you can't. You'd have to basically have two versions of the app, the free limited feature version and the full-blown version if you want to sell the full-blown version. There's no way to upgrade in place. You'd have to produce an all-new version of the app so people can't pay a cheaper fee, existing users, kind of like Apple does with iLife and, of course, obviously with Mac OS X. That's fine because, obviously, developers would assume then they could just continue to present their apps independently. But now Apple has something, and we understand the reason for it. It's for security purposes, to help reduce the possibility of malware. They have something called Gatekeeper, okay? And I by, love that name. It's so ominous-sounding. It sure is. And it's got three options. The one that's apparently checked by default, at least from published reports, is allow applications downloaded from Mac App Store and identify developers. An identified developer means that a developer signs up for Apple's $99 a year program, gets a special certificate, a digital signature for all their work. doesn't have to be approved by Apple, but that signature allows you to continue to run their apps. If that developer gives you something that's filled with malware, Apple revokes the signature and therefore you can't run those apps. The problem is here, of course, is all the apps that were produced ahead of this. What's going to happen with them? What's going to happen with developers who produce apps that for various reasons will never get into the Mac App Store? And we've covered some of those cases in earlier segments on this episode. So I don't know. It's a good thing, but maybe not for developers because it's forcing everyone to really go to the Mac App Store for everything. Bob? Yes. I was waiting for a response. I'm just kind of chewing on that. Um, I don't know that I don't know that people will not find out that, you know, if you want to use a good third-party app that's not from the store, you have to turn this off or at least turn it off or make an exception. I bet there's an exception. There's a way of doing it with a control click or context menu. There are options. Once again, I, I think in a lot of cases, uh, if we want to ensure that we don't go the way of, of uh, previous you know, versions of Windows where malware is rampant. It's just, you know, nobody lives without antivirus protection. If we want to go on living the way we do, which is to say, you know, we're pretty cavalier, most of us, about running antivirus and firewalls and everything else, because Mac OS X security has been so good. Well, guess what? We're popular now. We're the popular kids. I saw where Phil Schiller said, this is the 26th consecutive quarter where Mac growth has outpaced PC growth. <laughs> I love that. So now we're targets. So maybe Apple uh, is doing the right thing by taking it on at the system level rather than uh, relying on third-party you know, vendors to come up with antivirus solutions. This, this seems like uh, if you're willing to put up with a little bit of uh, big brotherhood, <laughs> you get in return... Uh, very little likelihood of, of something bad getting into your computer. So I don't know. I think for a lot of people, it's going to be a fine trade. 
I think a lot of people will welcome it. I mean, it's one of the things I think that Windows users find so attractive about our platform. When they switch, they say, I can't believe you don't run antivirus. You sure? <laughs> say, well, when there's a virus, I'll start running antivirus software. Well, it's not to say there haven't been so-called Trojan horse apps, but Apple has already added built-in protection for those which can be updated and is updated online. So that kind of takes care of that. This, of course, is forcing developers to find a way to work with the Mac App Store for their stuff. They'll have no choice. I understand this for some apps, you know. Like but I don't know that they have no choice. They, well, yeah, but, you know, if the average Mac user seeing this setting and they leave the default setting and they have to go through a little bit of a hoop just to install an app, well, let's say you go to your problem. favorite your favorite little third-party utility maker's website and you buy his little $19 thing that goes in your menu bar that isn't available in the Apple Store. Don't you think it comes with instructions that say, here's what you're going to have to do to install it because of Apple's protecting you? I understand that. We'll Three get steps. into more of it. We'll get into more of it. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. With Bob, Dr. Maclevitis, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash TNO. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hi, Jason Lewis here. Anybody who's been listening to my program knows how shaky the U.S. economy is right now. Will we have a V-shaped recovery or will it be a W-shaped one where the nation slips back into recession? Of course, if you think that Washington can spend or inflate its way out of a downturn, you've got nothing to worry about. But as you know, I have my doubts. So let me tell you about gold. Now, as my friend Ted Anderson from Midas Resources likes to say, gold, like all commodity markets, fluctuates in price and you could lose money. But it has never been worth zero. Give it some thought. And if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but has since lost 90% of its value. And if things don't change, I'm afraid the trend will continue. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237 for gold and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. Thousands of items, 47 categories, 101 name brands. Attention all outdoor geeks now listening to this broadcast. Your Outfitters of Outdoor Gear and Electronic Gadgets is WildernessGeek.com. 
Discover a retail superstore of emergency survival, firearms, tactical accessories, camping, boating, hunting, and search and rescue gear like the life-saving laser flares used by Coast Guard and other rescue agencies. WildernessGeek.com is your electronic supplier of two-way and shortwave radios, GPSs, marine electronics, and portable solar chargers. Plus, WildernessGeek.com has experienced emergency search and rescue service personnel to help you find what you need and learn how to use it. And the best part? Free shipping on orders of $100 or more in the continental U.S. Plus 5% discount to all radio listeners and rescuers. Go to WildernessGeek.com. That's WildernessGeek.com, the electronic outdoor emergency survival gear superstore. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com. Spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com. BioAge.com. Or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge, the age of advanced organics. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. With Bob, Dr. Mac Levitis on the Tech Night Owl Live, we're focusing on Mac OS 10.8 Mountain Lion coming this summer. As a surprise, because, you know, we were kind of expecting Apple was now moving towards a two-year release cycle. And what does Apple do? Seven months. Well, that's an announcing it. It's going to be a year by the time the thing gets out, July or August. But seven months between releasing one and announcing the next one is unprecedented, I think. It's almost I, I like the early days of Mac OS X, where you had, you know, 10, 10.1 came out a few months later, 10.2 came out the following well, year. Well, but those, those were necessary. <laughs> to make it work. So here's the situation with developers. Right now, certain types of apps cannot go into the Mac App Store. One, because the installers kind of add all sorts of crazy things to various parts of your Mac. That's a good wake-up call for those application developers to say, you know what, we've got to make the installations simpler, stick everything in one convenient file that can be deleted by throwing it out. That's one good thing. Other apps run into problems because they do things with the system, like the apps that we use, for example, to capture audio from Skype for interviews like this. Now, those apps are never, ever, ever going to be in the Mac App Store unless Apple provides some tool, some system-level tool to allow you to do that. Isn't that a problem? I don't know. You know, it, it remains to be seen how it plays out. It could be. It certainly could be an inconvenience for, for 
many users, if not just some users. Um, on the other hand, you know, I, I have to think about the benefits to my mother-in-law and people like that, that, you know, she, she does buy stuff in the, in the Mac app store. She wants her little card game and her, uh, I don't know what else she has, but she has a few things that she's bought in the app store. And I think she's happy that she, she knows she's safe. She's not very technical. And so she's not going to be buying stuff from my little friend, the utility developer with a website and PayPal. Anyway. By the way, that developer will probably never make apps for the Mac App Store, and the people who buy those apps don't consider it. By the way, you can pay with PayPal from Apple through iTunes with your Apple ID, so it doesn't matter. Now, I understand the benefit for developers, and this is one issue, of course, that's going to be discussed, and I'm going to talk with developers over the next few months as Apple continues developing Mountain Lion, and we'll talk about Gatekeeper and see where it goes. Let's look at some of the other features. Now, Notification Center is nice. Of course, a lot of people on the Mac use something called Growl, okay? And you explain to our listeners what that is and how Notification Center is going to maybe replace it ultimately. I kind of hope so, because I tried the new, you got to pay for it, growl, and I went back to the old one um, on my on my Mac that's still running Snow Leopard. I just, I don't know what, what happened to growl. It used to be kind of cool, and now it might or might not be, but you have to pay for it. Tell our listeners uh, what it does. It's a system-wide notification service that uh, other apps can address, and many apps have the, the uh, uh, hooks so that they can talk to uh, Growl. And, and what it does is it tells you when things happen. You can say, tell me when I get new email messages. And it pops little balloons up that tell you things are going on. I've got it set up to tell me when I plug or unplug a device in any of my ports. It tells me the name of what was either plugged or unplugged, which I find really convenient when I'm you know, swapping out equipment all the time. Uh, it also tells me how many mail messages I have. When I get back from somewhere, it tells me that backups have been completed successfully. Um, you can configure it to work with many, many, many apps. It's pretty convenient. A lot of people find it obtrusive. You know, they try it for a while and say, I, you know, I don't really care that much. <laughs> and, and I get that. Um, but Notification Center, the way it works on the iDevices, I really like because it's so configurable. You know, it's just so easy to say, I don't want this to bother me for anything, and I want that to bother me all three ways it knows how. And by the way, this copies the interface in a sense for the way the notification manager works on iOS 5 on your iPhone or your iPad. Very much the so, same thing. And any app that plugs into the system, it's going to be a system-wide tool. So, of course, Apple's apps like Mail or, for example, Messages, that's fine. Right. But... Any application developer can plug into it and therefore it uses, give you the same and it capability. Uses the same, yes, and it uses the same hooks as the iOS version. So if they've already built an iOS app that uses it, they already know how to implement it for their Mac app. It's going to be you know, relatively easy. This is something where Apple's done the heavy lifting. The other question I have here is how easily it'll be to make apps already designed for the iOS scale up to a regular Mac. And I'm thinking of the Game Center. That's another feature we'll talk about. The Game Center, of course, you can have, you know, group games and everything online. 
the game well, and you share your share your scores and your leaderboards sure. and all those games you can see how you're doing against your kids or your friends or whatever okay so the game center on the ios is basically that plus great gaming performance and great games from big publishers made the ios a major gaming platform that's already causing all the other companies who build dedicated gaming hardware to freak so what does and apple with, do and with good reason sure so what does apple do well of course, the Mac, up till now, has not been recognized as a gaming platform. Apple is getting improved graphics drivers. You've got, of course, Steam for the Mac, which allows you to handle more games, more availabilities of products. But now with the Game Center, I assume here Apple is going to make it easy for developers to take their iOS games, make Mac versions, and suddenly the game you're playing... On your iPad and your iPhone, you play it on your Mac, taking advantage of the superior performance. Guess what? There's already some games like that. I've got a poker game that is on the iPad, the iPhone, and the Mac. And it's the same interface. And because it's a Game Center game, it remembers all of your preferences. It remembers how much uh, play money you have. It remembers that you like to play at this kind of table. It remembers your name. So I've got one account that I play on. But whatever machine I'm near, I can fire up this poker game and play some fake poker. So it's already kind of there, except there's no Game Center on the Mac right now. The game itself reports back to Game Center from your Mac, but there's no interface for doing anything on the Mac itself, which I guess is what you're going to get in Mountain Lion, which will be good because then you can send out friend requests. It's part social gaming and part game matching so that you can play multiplayer games and see when your friends are online and things like that. Be nice to have that on the Mac, and I think it will improve the way people perceive the Mac vis-a-vis gaming. I think we've seen a lot of the... not a lot. More big title games than in years past coming to the Mac, and I think that'll continue into the future. I think we're going to see more and more cool games. Now, up to now, of course, there's been a performance disadvantage with the Mac OS vis-a-vis Windows, but Apple is working with gaming developers, improving graphics drivers. So for anyone but a power user, what difference there is may not be much of a difference after all. We always make a difference with Bob Dr. Maclevitis when he's here on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
In the past, I've taken a lot of different vitamins, some through health food stores, some that friends recommend. Colleen talking about her experience with Super Sea Veg. And with the Super Sea Veg, I was seeing a lot better results. Super Sea Veg with Vita D and C Cal is the most powerful dietary food supplement in the world today, and nothing else comes close. Super Sea Veg is a whole food that makes me feel good. Think of Super Sea Veg as the unvitamin. I have taken other things, and they just didn't work. This seems to work for me. And Super Sea Veg comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Store-bought vitamins do not have the supplement and the full, whole feeling I have from Super Sea Veg. Get 15% off your first purchase on our website, superseaveg.com. That's super, S-E-A-V-E-G.com. At checkout, enter coupon code UNVITAMIN. Or place your order at 866-SEA-VEG. That's 866-732-8344. Eating Super Sea Veg daily is eating right. Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly sleep apnea expert who will answer all of your questions. Mention this ad for free shipping. Again, that's CPAP.com. CPAP.com. CPAP. Your money, your treatment, your choice. Listeners, it's Jason Lewis, and now that the holidays have come and gone, it's time to get serious about our New Year's resolutions. For 2012, resolve to protect your most valuable asset, your family. Daily, we hear about all the crazy stuff happening around the world, unemployment, food shortages, natural disasters, just to name a few. For my preparation, I recommend WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. Visit wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample. And for a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's wisefoodstorage.com or call 855-FOODWISE. That's 855-366-3947 and enter promo code LEWIS for a free sample and free shipping on any order. Peace of mind, the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. With Bob, Dr. MacLevitis, I'm Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. We're focusing this final couple of segments of the Tech Night Owl Live with Apple's Mac OS 10.8 Mountain Lion do this summer. By the way, nowhere have I found it called 10.8. I looked in the announcement and I searched for 10.8, 10.9, 10.7. There is no reference to it as that. It is referred to as the ninth release of Mac OS 10. 
read the press release. I just went through it because I'm writing a column, of course, about it. And I thought, that's unusual. I, I don't know that I'm going to mention it in the column, but I did think it was kind of odd that it looks like they're phasing out the 10-point whatever nomenclature. Well, yeah, they started to emphasize that, but it will still carry a version number. Well, I'm sure it will, and I'm sure in the About This Mac box, I, I, uh, I can't check right the second, but I'm sure that it's got version 10.8 in there, because that's what it is. But it's interesting that the press release kind of takes pains not to call it that. They're moving the branding to the cat rather than the numbers. Yes. The creature rather than the numbers. That's right. So, And just remember, 10.9 will be Bobcat. Thank you, Bob. Okay, can we quote and you I'm on that? Lying, and I'm not lying. Oh, please. You know, we are already criticized by people for bad jokes. And now, from now on, I will say, you know, folks, when you hear a bad joke on the Tech Night Out Live, it's because of Bob Dr. Maclevitis. He is the king of bad jokes. It's the highest form of humor. It is, you know. I mean, if you look at some of the comedians over the years, like, what was the name of that guy? The unknown comic with the bag on his head. Murray Langston was his real name, by the way. And he would tell the worst jokes in the world, but it was so bad it was good. But he told them well. He was very good at telling bad jokes. Murray Langston. I don't know if he's still even in the business or alive or anything. Let's look at other features here. A lot of this stuff, by the way, is stuff that is for social networking. It's consumer-friendly stuff. Reminders, I think, it works for everybody. Certainly the expanded iCloud with more support for sharing documents. That works for everybody. The messaging, notification center, pretty good. Gatekeeper especially. Game center, of course, is for people who love to play games. But now AirPlay mirroring. And if I get this correctly, it means with AirPlay mirroring, I could basically show my Mac's desktop through... Wirelessly on your HDTV, That's right. assuming you own an Apple TV, which I do. And Doesn't everyone? Let me, well, and let me tell you, if you haven't used it with your iPad or your iPhone 4S yet, it's awesome. You can sit on the couch and just magically be showing people the pictures on the big screen TV or showing the video. It's unbelievably cool. Now, Another my wife, by the way is a great fan of the iPad. She has an iPad, too. You cannot take it away from her. Basically, she lives for that product. So I have not told her that I could share what she sees with the Apple TV because otherwise what will happen is suddenly she will use that with our TV. We'll never get to watch any TV shows because she'll be busy with the iPad. So don't tell her. Wow. Well, you know what I really like? My kids come over and they want to see what game I'm playing. And I can just turn it on, and all of a sudden, the game I'm playing on the iPad is there on the, on the wall, 40, 48 inches across, playing through the five-channel surround sound stereo system, loud as heck with a subwoofer. That's a gaming experience, let me tell you. And some games even take advantage of that. I have a racing game, I think it's real racing too, where the controls are on the iPad, but the scenery and the track are on your TV. Pretty cool. You know, you're holding it, you turn the iPad and the, and the motion sensors control the turning and you've got the brakes and the accelerator under your thumbs in your hand and the iPad, but the car and the cockpit and the view out of the cockpit and the track are up on the big screen TV. Pretty, pretty cool. It certainly is. Tell your wife. I will tell her. And then she'll start using the Apple TV more. 
not for renting, but for using her iPad on it. Let's look at more of what Apple's offering. Twitter integration, of course, obviously for social networking. You kind of wonder where Facebook integration will come in and whether Apple might be working a deal now to add Facebook integration for Mountain Lion. I would think I would think if they're not, it's not because they didn't want to or they didn't try to. You know, I think Facebook is ubiquitous enough that even if they didn't want to, it would make sense for them to explore that option and, and do it for their users if they could. Now, the other feature is share sheets, which makes it easier to share like a site in Safari. With I, You know, when I first saw that, I thought it was something dirty. <sighs> anyway, share of course, sheets. and by the way, what's going to happen here is that Apple is going to make it possible here to have developers get all these tools. Lots of new tools for developers. And you kind of wonder here in passing, we have developers who have not as yet made lion-savvy apps. Do you hear that, Microsoft? Okay. Even Adobe, now Apple is moving to Mountain Lion, and there's well, still one release behind. Well, you know, because of the quick release cycles here on the Apple side, they, uh, they can't put out versions as quickly. I mean, there are Windows people there you're talking about, and they're used to these, you know, two, three-year cycles. The seven-month thing took them, by, took them by surprise. And, you know, Mike, Microsoft had just put out Office 2011 before Lion a few months before. And they and haven't you know, figured You know, the out. cycle for those things is like three or four years. That's right. They're not going to add those Lion features until Office 2013 or 14 or whatever the next one is for the Mac. And you have to think here, Microsoft advertises they have 200 developers working on the Office apps for the Mac, okay? 200 developers over at the Mac business unit, you know, expanded from 150 or 160, whatever. How many programmers does Apple have on all of OS X? A few hundred? Nobody knows. That's a closely guarded secret, but I would guess it's in the hundreds. That's Not right. the thousands or the tens of thousands. That's right. So Apple is able to, with a staff not that much larger than Microsoft's, do a whole operating system, but Microsoft can only manage one Office app, which is Microsoft's problem. They haven't figured out how to be efficient. That's why they spend billions. If you look at how much Apple is spending... It's too easy to beat up on Microsoft. Let's beat up on someone else. Who do you want to beat up on? I don't know, but Microsoft is just such an easy target. (laughs) Let's beat up on Apple a little bit about Mountain Lion, okay? So I far, thought you did already. You were, you were beating them up about what they're doing to the poor independent developer that doesn't want to live in a sandbox. Well, it's not even that, okay? We understand that they will have to come along over time, and it'll be good for everybody. But if you look at the 10 features that Apple has, which is basically the iOSification of the Mac, much more so than with Lion, and you look at the various features and you think, you know what? Most of the stuff, although some stuff works for businesses, most of this is consumer-friendly. Where's the meat and potatoes for the business user who's adopting the Mac? Is it just that because it's more like the iOS, the curve of adapting to the Mac is easier if they're used to an iPhone or an iPad? What is the the current version of iWork? Is it 09? Yes, it hasn't been. It's only had minor updates. Yes, yeah, so 
reading between the lines, if you notice that they, they kind of talk nebulously about uh, tighter iCloud integration on the desktop. And I'm thinking this is where this is going is the next version of Pages will be the ubiquitous, it's in the cloud, it's always wherever you are on whatever device you're near solution. And, you know, for a lot of people, I've heard from a lot of people that using pages that way now, which, you know, requires a little bit of work. You got to remember to do a few things, but we have uh, to remember to do this thing. And then we'll find out about what you have to remember to do with pages on the iOS and Mac OS X Lion. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. Bob Dr. Maclevitis on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. What if pain could be reduced, ailments could be alleviated, physical and mental stress could be eased, and blood circulation increased, all by simply lying down? Introducing the original Biomat. The Biomat is an FDA-registered medical device that combines deep, penetrating infrared space-age technology and revitalizing negative ions with the incredible healing power of amethyst crystals. A Biomat can boost your immune system, relieve pain and stiffness, reduce stress and fatigue, and assist in detoxifying your body. Join the thousands of people reporting relief from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, sports injuries, insomnia, and much more. Each Biomat comes with a lifetime trade-in and three-year warranty. Learn more at Bio dash mats.com spelled b-i-o dash m-a-t-s dot com or call 360-944-8692 that's 360-944-8692 visit bio-mats.com today and enhance your life with a biomat You know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste. 
increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Bob, Dr. Mac Levitas on the Tech Night Owl live this week, and he's joining us. We're talking about Mac Mountain Lion, the successor to Lion, just as soon as you get used to Lion. Suddenly That's you've got truth. Mountain Lion, and next year you'll have Bobcat, maybe, or maybe not. But you were about to say. I was about to say that this whole iCloud documents uh, integration and the new API so that other developers can use iCloud the way Apple's using it to promote seamlessness between their iOS and their Mac apps. And, and you know, I can just see this becoming a very seamless, easy virtual solution where your documents are always up to date on all your devices, wherever you go, without doing anything. That's their natural state. You don't have to save to iCloud or even think about it. That's just what they do. It will always be Kind of like Dropbox. Kind of like Dropbox, which I understand Apple tried to buy at one point and was rebuffed. But Apple has more money than anyone. But it doesn't matter. I don't think the Dropbox guys were interested in cashing out. I think they like what they're doing. And, you know, when you do something like that and you do it well, the rewards are plentiful. Those guys are going to be fine even after turning Apple down. Now, of course, we have to point out here, too, that, yes, everything's going to be more user-friendly, easier to use, more seamless, especially the integration amongst the iOS and the desktop Macs. But still, some people will say Apple's dumbing it down. This is dumbing down step two. We had step one with Lion. Now with Mountain Lion, it's step two of the dumbing of the Mac. I don't really see evidence of that. I mean, other than that launch pad thing, which I just don't get, it's not dumbed down. It's the same. It's just got some other features now many of which you don't have to use. Like if you don't like the whole mission control metaphor in Lion, you don't have to use it. You know, you can kind of ignore it. Now, we were talking about, you know, whether 
you know, and this doing this, Apple is, you know, somehow dumbing down. Oh yeah, dumbing down. I don't, you know, I don't see it. The the things that you might consider dumbing down, like Launchpad, or or maybe, I don't know, uh, big icons, <laughs> um, gestures. I don't think that's dumbing it down because it's all stuff that you can adopt if you want or ignore if you're an old Mac user. You can make Lion act pretty much like Snow Leopard if you care to. Apple changed some of the defaults. They changed the way some things look. And and maybe they are dumbing it down a little, but I don't think it's dumbing down. I think they're just trying to make these things more accessible to the common user, the average user who's not a techie, who doesn't care what's under the hood and and as long as they don't you know make it so that i can't use the mac the way i've always used it and do the things i like to do using my mac if they as long as those things are still there which they as far as i can tell i'm not losing anything that i like i'm just getting a lot of stuff that i like a lot on my ios devices which sounds like a good deal to me and it's interesting here how apple unleashed Mountain Lion. Now, normally, when you have something of this nature, this is a pretty big development. Let's continue here about our focus. So we right. have... What do you uh, think about Jeremy Lin? Who? Jeremy Lin. Oh, yeah. the basketball player. That little guy? Yeah. Amazing Ooh, guy. Boy. It, and the big thing, of course, is that the companies who make products for athletes, you know, the shirts and the jeans and all that stuff they had to go back to the drawing board they didn't expect this guy would be so famous there you go but i was saying before normally apple will hold a media event something as important as an operating system update especially only a few months away apple's going to have a release information instead all we get now is certain members of the mac and the general journalistic community get copies on a MacBook of Mountain Lion to play with about a week ahead of time. There's a developer's preview and an interview with Tim Cook in the Wall Street Journal and a press release, and that's about it. So why so low-key? Um, all the PR people are on vacation this month? No, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, they've always done it that way, though. You know, the anointed ones get the pre-release stuff. Well, we know about that, but what I'm saying here is that it's been they've a long time. It's the same. It's the same. They, but they there's no media event. There's no... They've always done it at their developer conference, which is, you know, where you'd expect to hear these things. But there's no media or event. Macro. It's just a press release. Yeah. Well, they're, they're saving all that cash. Yeah, you know, they have $100 billion. They just have to save every penny. I believe I saw Tim Cook say publicly, we have more cash than we need. <laughs> I think that's a great thing. I wish I was a shareholder. Wish I had more that's cash nice than thing, I needed. That's a nice thing to hear about a company you hold stock in. We have more cash than we know what to do with. We're well, trying to figure it out for you. <laughs> I just think if I bought Apple stock... Like a thousand shares at ten dollars each. Borrowed ten thousand dollars. You'd be retired. You wouldn't be here on the phone with me. On yeah. the radio with me. I'm sorry. I'm on a phone. You're not. You know what? Yes, I would. And you know why I would? I would because I'd have to have something to do. I couldn't just sit there and count money. 
I think that's just not very productive for a person. And actually, you won't live as long if you're not that's busy. True. That's absolutely true. Yeah. That's another but story. But I'd right? be out walking my dog or playing in the park or surfing or hang gliding or jumping out of airplanes or doing something dangerous and fun. Not that this isn't fun, Gene. This is pretty fun. I mean, I have a great job. I love what I do. But if I had invested ten or $20,000 in Apple when it was at $10, well, if I had invested that kind of money in Apple that long ago, I'd have uh, screw you money. I could just do anything I wanted and not have to worry about it, you know. And, and that's, there's some appeal to that. I think I'd probably still be writing and, and uh, doing I'm, – I'm, did I tell you that I'm working on a TV show? I'm doing Dr. Mac, BobLevitas.tv, Dr. Mac Live. You're going to love this. We'll have some episodes up soon. That's terrific. I bet you're also doing a book called, let me guess, let me use my psychic powers. Ah, yes. Mountain Lion for Dummies. Gee, you know, funny you should mention it. I probably ought to call my publisher and ask them if now is the time to start talking about that title. It's usually called uh, the next version of Mac OS X for dummies, you know, in the paperwork, because we didn't know what to call it. We certainly didn't know it was called Mountain Lion, the next version of Mac OS. Exactly. The next version of Mac OS. There you go. What can you say about it? Which, uh, which is kind of synergistic, because as we all know, Mac OS came from Next. Yes, it sure is. Bob Levitas, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Amazon.com or go to my website, BobLevitas.com, and click on my little bookstore. You can get to all of my books that way. We have really good prices from Amazon.com, direct links, easy to buy, or uh, there's a button if you want an autographed copy. Just click the button on my website. Mac Observer, occasionally writing reviews and columns. Houston Chronicle every Tuesday, the Dr. Mac uh, column. And I'll be appearing live in Houston this week and next week in Shreveport and in a couple weeks in Dallas. So if you're in any of those places, come see me. And by the way, you can come see us or at least hear us at TechNightOwl.com. That's where our site is located with our cutting-edge commentaries. <laughs> On Twitter, we're TechNightOwl. And we'll be integrated with macOS 10 Mountain Line with Twitter integration, obviously. And we have a forum. Yes, we have a forum at the Tech Night Owl. You'll find that forum at forum.technightowl.com. Once again, that's forum.technightowl.com. And we just recently overhauled that forum, by the way. Just wanted to get this out of the way. And we welcome your membership, which is free. And then you can participate in the discussions. That's how it works. Also, we have the other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Special thanks to Bob, Dr. MacLevitis, for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.